Hello, happy Monday, June 27th. Uh, it's hard to believe this weekend uh, starts July. Uh, it is, uh, I just do not know where the time has gone. The NHL season is officially over. We are now, everyone is in off-season mode. The draft is next week. Free agency starts in 16 days, uh, potentially 15 days from whenever you listen to this. Um, it's going to get really hectic and really busy really quickly. So for today's episode, we're going to go over a couple of silly season trade proposals that a couple of listeners sent in. Again, if you want to be you know, featured on this show, even though you're, you're not coming on to talk to me, you know, again, send me some silly season trade ideas. Send me some free agents that you would like the team to go after. You can DM them to me on social media. You know, comment on them on the YouTube page, whatever you want, and I will talk about each and every one of them. Um, on the show. Also going to get into the Stanley Cup final. Congratulate the Colorado Avalanche for slaying the Dragon. And we will finish up today's episode probably with a season review of Drew O'Connor and what you know the future holds with him going into next season. That's all coming up right after this drop. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Ben Mon has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That is bet online where the game starts. So again, happy Monday to you all. Fresh five episodes for you all coming this week. Um, as for when the podcast goes to three days a week, believe that's going to start in about two to three weeks. Haven't gotten the final confirmation on that, but I believe it's right until the day one of free agency. This will be an every weekday podcast, and then we will go into full, full um, off-season mode. But let's get into today's episode. So we're going to start off with some silly, a couple silly season trade ideas. So this one comes from Intelligent Dice. Thank you so much for sending this in, by the way. Um, so he has Brian Dumoulin uh, to Montreal, and he would have Jake Allen, 50% salary retained back. He says in total, it frees up around close to 2 million in cap space. And then you have P.O. Joseph coming up, solves your backup goalie issue. Montreal needs left side D. And they could potentially flip Ryan Dumoulin at the trade deadline. You know, th- that does make sense. I, I will say that. Um, you know, it-, it-, it frees up the cap space. It sends Dumoulin to a team that's probably not going to be good next year. And, you know, that team can also, you know, get assets for him. And you're right. It would solve the backup goaltender spot. Here's where I get iffy on this. I feel like there are general managers out there who – they will pay more than someone like Jake Allen. Um, Because personally, you know, I would, you know, I think Allen's a fine backup goaltender. I think, you know, better option than Casey DeSmith, I think, in my opinion. But, you know, for someone like Dumoulin, he's worth more than that. Guy has two Stanley Cups, usually is decent defensively. I know he didn't have a good year this year, but, you know, general managers, you know, they they love um, that kind of player. Excuse me. And, you know, here's an example for you all. Nick Letty 
traded twice in the last calendar year, went for a second round pick both times. Is anyone going to sit here and tell me that Nick Letty is better than Brian Dumoulin? No, uh, that's just that, 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 that's not the case. So with that, I definitely think you can get at least a second rounder for Dumoulin, potentially maybe a roster player in return. If not that a prospect back, um, you know, teams are always willing to overpay um, for, for that kind of player. And that's why I guess I'm just a little bit hesitant on that. But again, you know, it's, it's actually a, a decent trade. I, I really would not be mad about it per se. You know, it, and you, you said it, it checks a lot of boxes. You get rid of Dumoulin's cap it, POJ's ready to slide up unless you want to go out into free agency and sign someone like Nikita Zadorov. Get out of the you get out of the contract, free up the two million in cap space almost, and you solve another you know issue with that backup goaltender spot because right now Tristan Jari does not have a backup. Louis Domingue he is a UFA. I really can't see him coming back. And you know with two weeks to go until free agency starts, Casey DeSmith is also a UFA. You know normally you know they they've signed DeSmith pretty quickly when his contract has been up a couple of times in the past. So the fact that he's not signed yet. I mean, A, he's not even close to the highest priority. And B, you know, I, I think that Hexall is definitely potentially exhausting some options here with regards to maybe the trade market, free agency, you know, a flurry reunion, Braden Holpe, Yaroslav Halak, a um, few other options I know um, are out there. And I think Huso is, is a free agent, but I mean, the Blues are just going to bring him back. I don't really think he's going to um, <clears throat> go to market. Um, I know Kemper, I believe, is a free agent. But I don't really think he's going to um, go anywhere either, uh, to say the least. So, you know, it, it, again, this one makes sense. But, you know, I would be more a little more hesitant to do it because, you know, I just I think the Penguins can get more um, from Dublin. And, you know, you, you also are correct to point out that, you know, if you if they don't re-sign to Smith in your, in your scenario, um, that is about $3 million in cap space from this idea. And... Yeah, I mean, I, I get what also what you're saying with Ricard Raquel. I have been seeing a lot of that on Penguin's Twitter, you know, <clears throat> other places, you know, on the re- subreddit and all this stuff. I like Ricard Raquel, but at the end of the day, are you all willing to pony up $4.5 million per for four to five years for him? I know some of you all are going to say yes. You're going to be like, Hunter, like that's an easy decision. I wouldn't think twice about it. But, you know, <clears throat> this is a player – I don't think he's ever going to score 30 for you. I know he had over 20 this year, um, but, you know, is he going to – and that's combined, by the way. Is he going to do that in a full season when he's not playing with Sidney Crosby on the top line? Because obviously he was electric with Sid and Jake Ensel, but, you know, they just signed Brian Russ to his long-term deal. He's more than likely going to be the top-line winger for this team. You know, do you think Raquel can put up those kind of numbers with Evgeny Malkin if he comes back? Or, you know, say, what if a team goes out and signs Vincent Trocek? Do you think, you know, he can carry him on that line? <clears throat> and, you know, obviously the aging curve, I think, plays a role here. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not super crazy about, you know, I, I kind of want the team to go out and try to find like a Valerie Nachuskin clone or an Anthony Duclair type deal, something around those lines, rather than go four to five years. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, for Ricard Raquel. And that's not to say that I don't think he's a good player. I thought, you know, he exceeded my expectations when he came over from the Ducks. Um, 
you know, I mean, I thought he was going to make at least a little bit of an impact, but, you know, he was, he was probably one of the best Dubai acquisitions or one of the best rentals, at least right now, that they've acquired um, in the Sid and Gino era. So you are right that this would open up some money to potentially pay Raquel. But, you know, I think right now with, you know, with so much uncertainty surrounding Latang and Malkin and, you know, even in your scenario, you know, I, I think with how cap space is such a premium for this team, I just, I, I really can't see it, um, in my opinion. But, you know, they proved me wrong before. I'm, I'm sure, you know, they could potentially do it again. And lastly, to end the show, this com- this this comes courtesy um, from Brendan Belots on Penguin Twitter. He goes, you spoke about Kirby Doc a few episodes ago. Here is my trade proposal for him. I would trade it, the Penguins' first-round pick, Marcus Pedersen plus Casper Kapanen's rights for Kirby Doc. The Blackhawks second rounder and a third third rounder. Okay, <clears throat> um, that is a whopper of a deal to say the least. Um, <clears throat> I like Kirby Doc a lot. Um, probably more so than some fans on Penguin Story. You know, I've had a couple of discussions with, um, you know, s- some fans that, you know, that I, I just I, I DM them all the time and we talk Penguins hockey, and you know they're they're not as high on Doc um, as I am and. You know, even though I am higher than them on him, the thing is, I'm just not comfortable trading that first rounder for him. You know, Ron Hextall, he said a lot that, you know, he wants to make this pick. He has no interest in trading it. I know GMs lie, but, you know, I I personally don't know if, you know, Doc is worth a first rounder, Marcus Pedersen, and the rights to Kasperi Kappen. I think that's a little much for him. I have no problem. Paying the rights to Kasperi Kapanen, I think he's fine to go to Chicago. I really don't have too much of a problem paying Pedersen, though. If you can potentially swap out Pedersen for Dumoulin in that deal, you know, I, I would be more inclined to do it. I, I don't think enough people realize just how good Marcus Pedersen was this past season. You know, elite underlying numbers. You know, when you watch him with the eye test, you know, good defensively, got more, got better offensively. As the year went on, it formed a great shutdown pair with John Marino. You know, I know he's probably one of the more likelier candidates to be moved off this team going into next season. But the thing is, um, you know, is that going to make the Penguins a better team, you know, when they try to replace him? You know, that's that's my big thing. You know, you always have to have a succession plan in place. Who is going to take up and, and, t- and step up for those minutes? Who's going to perform another shutdown? Uh, pairing with John Marino. That that's the main thing that I think I'm worried about when it comes to Pedersen. You know, <clears throat> I know I would love the cap space, um, <clears throat> especially because you know it's a flat cap for three years in a row now. But you know, I think I'm more hesitant than most to move on from Pedersen. And again, you know, the, the first round pick, um, I, I'm really only going to be moving that for like a, a bigger impact player. You know, I, I think Doc could definitely um, help this team win, and he would obviously help them get younger, get faster you know, provide an offensive presence. But, you know, for a player who's definitely been struggling to really find his footing at times in the NHL, um, I personally would not trade the first. Um, You know, maybe a second in next year's draft or something like that. Or, you know, your first in next year's draft, I think that would potentially um, work there. But this first rounder, um, I I would keep it. And, you know, I would love to get a a couple of picks back from Chicago, but to maybe offset that. But still, I mean, I'm just, I'm not as, as high on that. Um, as I should be, but no, I appreciate both of you sending in those trade proposals. 
Um, the fact of the matter is, you know, they make a lot of sense. Now, I don't think these are, you know, too out, out there to say the least. Um, I guess I'm just hesitant on them, you know, for a couple of reasons. But, you know, if, if they were to make at least, you know, one of those, um, I, I probably would not be super um, mad about. You know, I would probably, you know, at least for the Doc one, I would be a little upset that they traded the first round pick. But at the end of the day, you know, I would get over it. The team is in win now mode. After all, so that wraps up this first segment of Locked On Penguins podcast. Coming up in the next segment, we're going to get into Drew O'Connor's season review and what the next step is for him going into next year if he's ready to make an impact for this team. Um, but before we get to that, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest, easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, golf. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. That is BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter, at LO underscore Penguins. So let's get, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> right into it with Drew O'Connor's season review. So he played 22 games at the regular season level, oh, not the regular season level, during the regular season, excuse me, um, for the Penguins, played in a couple of playoff games as well, came very close to scoring his first career playoff goal for the Penguins, um, came right at the beginning of the series, I rang one actually off the crossbar, um, Pashister, yeah, he beat Shesterk in clean on it and you know obviously um hit, hit the pipe but a 5v5 you know um three goals two two total assists so you know five five points at 5v5 in 22 games you know that's a far cry from what he did the previous season when he played 10 goals only had one point um he played 10 games excuse me only had one point and was honestly just looking like an ECHL player um that the growth that he had from last year to this year um was astronomical um, in my opinion, you got to see it from the underlying numbers. When he was on the ice, the Penguins had close to 60% of the shot attempts, about 50-50 in actual goals for. Um, the Penguins had 64.6% of the expected goals. When he was on the ice, 63% of the scoring chances, 63% of the high danger chances. Lost the full high danger battle. Um, only three high danger goals for, eight high danger goals against. Shot 5%. This season, and I saw an ICA percentage, 890, so that was not that good. But, you know, a lot of very promising numbers here from O'Connor. You know, he's dominating in scoring chances, dominating high danger chances, gave some back defensively. But you know, at the beginning of the season, now, I was definitely one of the people that was, you know, beating the drum for him to stay here full time because he was really lighting up for this team in a bottom six role. Um, you know, again, you know, the growth that I saw from him, you know, his skating was much better. He was actually looking confident. In the offensive zone actually shooting the puck a lot more. Um, you know, his, his passing was much more crisp, I thought, this season. And you know, he, he went back down to Wilkesbury. You know, he continued to play well down there before he had that really um nasty injury that kept him out for a while. I'm glad that he was able to make his way back. Um, and, and obviously got called up for the playoffs, played in a couple of penguin playoff games. But you know, this is a player that I'm really intrigued about going into next year. I think he deserves a shot to potentially make this team. Um, out of camp. I mean, you know, he, he, again, he played well in Wilkesbury, played well for about a quarter of the season with the Penguins. 
Um, if you stick him on a fourth line with potentially, I don't know, Teddy Bluger with Brock McGinn, you know, I think the Penguins have something there. You know, have a defensive center in Teddy Bluger who can also chip in offensively. You know, if McGinn, he can chip in offensively, usually with double digit goals. Um, defensively, he's solid too. Then you have O'Connor, who, you know, can be, you know, the better offensive player on that line. Sorry about that. I had to take a sip of my water. You know, he can be the better offensive player on that line. And if he if he improves defensively, especially, you know, when he's not getting back a lot of high-danger goals and just actual goals for, you know, I think the Penguins will have a, a really good fourth line um, going into next season. So, you know, I, I'm really um, excited about him. You know, honestly, it's it's him and, you know, redeems the Horner, which I'm going to get to later this week, who I really think have the best chances to make the team out of camp, at least the players – uh, at least from this first wave from Wilkes-Barre. You know, I know the Penguins prospect system, uh, it's bad, to say the least. I I, I know that. Um, I'm not. I'm never going to argue, argue against that. But, you know, I do think there are a few diamonds in the rough here, um, especially when it comes to O'Connor. And I do think he can make a pretty sizable impact on this team next season. So I'm excited about him. You know, I, I really liked how he played in his short stint this season. Um, I, I really thought the Penguins really didn't have anything there after he only played in 10 games during the 2020-2021 season, the shortened one. But, you know, I, I definitely ate a lot of crow after that because he came up, you know, just was a house on fire at the early stages of the regular season when the Penguins were just really battling the COVID problems. You know, I think that was the big thing there for Pittsburgh was that, you know, the, the COVID issues with about half the team missing at times. And, you know, he was able to come in there and really provide the team um, a spark. And they were able to win some games. I still remember the game against Chicago where <clears throat> that game was at home where the Penguins just lit up former goalie Marc-Andre Fleury, who, of course, played for the team for so many years. And, you know, O'Connor was one of the players that had a couple of goals that night. Uh, he was probably the best player in that game. I remember I was at King's Dominion with my girlfriend just following it on my phone, and I was just like, wow, like wh- wh- where did this version of Drew O'Connor come from? And, you know, he, he played like that. You know, in a good amount of the other games too. I know he wasn't, you know, scoring, but like he did in that game. But you know, he was still um, definitely making his presence felt. Um, that's for sure. So I give his season a solid, you know, a a minus to B plus. And I do think there's a spot for him on this team next year. Um, if they don't go out and make a lot of moves in free agency, and there's potentially an open spot in the bottom six, I would not be surprised if he seals one um, heading into next season. That's for sure. Um, so that wraps up this second segment of today's Lockdown Penguins episode. Um, for the third segment, we're going to get touch on the Stanley Cup final and graduate this Colorado Avalanche. Talk about Jack Johnson and um, how Nathan McKinnon, how it relates to Sidney Crosby. So that's all coming up right after this commercial break. All right, I'm back here in this episode of the Lockdown Penguins podcast. I am your host. Hunter Hodes. Learn to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So, you know, first and foremost, um, <clears throat> congratulations to the Colorado Avalanche. Very, very deserving Stanley Cup championship. Um, this was by far and away the best team in the league during the regular season and the playoffs. I mean, for God's sake, people, they went 16 and four in the playoffs. There were out of the four teams they faced, only two of them even pushed them to six games. St. Louis Blues, and to be frank, that series should have ended in five. I thought the Blues got very lucky to win that game five. Um, and the Tampa Bay Lightning, who obviously were their defending champions, 
Um, I knew the series was going to go at least six games. I predicted the abs in seven. They ended it in six. Um, that that should tell you all you need to know about the Colorado Avalanche. I think this was probably the most dominant championship run in hockey um, that I've seen since probably the 08 Red Wings. Um, it was a miracle that the Penguins pushed them to six games in that series. I know the Penguins only lost, I believe it was, what, two games going into the Stanley Cup final um, against the Red Wings that year. But, you know, honestly, they probably had no business even taking that series to six games. Even in that game five that I remember watching, um, the Red Wings were just dominating them shift after shift. And it, it took a miracle shot from Peter Sakura to send that back to Pittsburgh. And, you know, to be frank, it was they were about an inch away from sending that game to overtime with Marion Hosa, and you know, who, who knows what would have happened in that session. You know, the Penguins could have sent it back to Detroit, but you know, just a very dominant championship run by the Avalanche. And you know, they're they're set up to be really good for a long time. Um, Nathan McKinnon, you know, congratulations to him. You know, hearing the shout out to Sidney Crosby last night, you know, I can't lie, you know, I, I almost got a little teary-eyed. Um, I'm sure you know a lot of uh, Penguins fans did fully tear up just because. You know, the bromance between McKinnon and Crosby is nothing short of amazing. I mean, Nate looks up to Sid, um, kind of like an older brother or just an idol, uh, really. You know, he, he sees him as the player, you know, that he grew up watching that he wanted to be. And the great quote that Nate had was, you know, I've been the drunkest guy at two of his uh, parties in Cole Harbor. I expect him to repay me at mine. And, you know, I, I want to see the videos for it. I want to see Sidney Crosby get trashed. And, you know, just, you know, let out the, let out the human side of him so he can not be a robot for once in his life. Um, if we're not, if, again, we don't get videos on that. Um, <clears throat> there is something um, wrong with society. And, you know, just hearing that his hotel room was 1787 after Andrew Cogliano went up and said 87, he basically said it was fate. I mean, it's just, you know, both are so superstitious. And, you know, Sid even texted Pierre Lebrun, after the final ended and was just so happy for Nate. And um, I, I can't wait to see the party at Cole Harbor this summer because, um, you know, and Nate and Sid are going to be having some kind of fun to say the least. So I'm so happy for McKinnon. Kale McCarr won the con Smythe. Super thrilled for him. Uh, I've been saying it for a while. I think he's the next Paul Coffey in this league. Um, it would not surprise me if he hits a hundred points really soon. Um, you can also honestly make the argument that outside of Connor McDavid, he's probably potentially the second best player in the NHL. I, I would not argue against it. He is that good, Yins, and he's going to get better. Um, he's only 20, was he only 21, 22 years old? He, he, he's going to be special. I mean, I know he's already special, but he's going to be probably an all time great in my eyes. Gabriel Andeskog, Miko Ranson, and, um, you know, Darcy Kemper had a great game after I know a lot of people have trashed him. Not the Seneca final, you know, I've been a little hard on him, but you know, he made some timely saves when he needed to. Um, you know, when I was watching that third period uh on Sunday night, you know, I couldn't help but think carbon copy penguin sharks 2016 when the penguins just suffocated them in that third period. The sharks only had one or two shots on net, were hardly even threatening the penguins. And it was honestly the same with the lightning, you know, outside of that Nikita Kucherov chance, um, with about what seven minutes left in the third. Um, but you know, Kemper made a good save on Tam Bay really didn't have any good swing chances. Um, Colorado bottled them up. I know a lot of people say, well, you know, that's the high flying abs, you know, they're one of the highest scoring teams in the league, but you know, they can play defense. Um, well, wow, weird voice crack there. They can play defense when they want to, and they sure did in that third period. The Lightning had absolutely nothing 
when it came, you know, to getting chances on Darcy Kemper. Kudos to Jerry Bednar and his staff for really kind of having his players lock it down there. And, you know, last but probably not least about this, um, congratulations to Jack Johnson. I'll say it. You know, I have no problem, you know, saying that on this podcast. You know, I know I've given him a lot of crap on this show. I know a lot of the fan base has, but, you know, he has, he has the potential now to walk out as a champion. You know, he can ride off into the sunset. He won the Stanley Cup. It's evaded him for a long time in his career. He's obviously not the same player that he used to be, but, you know, good for him. You know, I'm sure he's a great guy off the ice. What happened to him with his family was really crappy. And, you know, to see him be rewarded with a Stanley Cup championship, even though he was strictly a depth player on this team, um, is not nothing short of spectacular. So, you know, golf clap, congratulations to Jack Johnson for getting that. And, you know, if that's it for him, you know, congratulations on, you know, I, I think a mostly decent career. Um, Nazem Kadri, his great quote too, um, with, you know, <laughs> for everyone that who thought I was a liability, you can kiss my, you know what, uh, you know, uh, I don't need to spell that out for you all. Um, but, you know, I know I said last but not least, and I just keep on going, but uh, what a great final this was. Probably one of the best finals I think I've watched in my lifetime. Um, it, it, this is this is what the sport should look like every year with the two best teams going at it, and I think the best team winning it. Um, you know, two high-scoring, high-prolific, high-paced, high you know, teams just going at it, producing some amazing hockey. This is what I want to see every single year in the Stanley Cup final. It was that freaking good. Um, I, I hope we just continue to get it. And, you know, uh, this is the last thing I'll say. I don't know what happened with Tampa Bay and why their fans and their, their, their players just continue to whine and moan about the refs. Play through it. You know, NHL officials, they stink. I, I've said that a thousand times on my over 500 episodes that I've done for this podcast. But you know what? You don't need to be going to them every five seconds about a call. Sorry. It's game six of the Stanley Cup final. They're not going to call a lot of stuff that, that some players are looking for. That's just how it is. You know, Pat Maroon, who rides on the coattails of all the great players that he's played for throughout his career, is just whining and complaining to the refs after every goal that was scored. And I'm like, dude, take your butt to the bench and just sit there and suck it up. Like, you know, it's just, it, it's ridiculous to me. You know, John Cooper, he was working the refs basically every shift last night, honestly, throughout the series. Um, great coach, but, you know, I don't know if I've ever seen a coach whine that much about officiating. And, you know, I, I would you know say this about, you know, a lot of rival teams, you know, too, with, you know, complaining about the, the officials. And I know the, the, their fans would say the same about the Penguins and all that, but, you know, th- this was just like a, a little much, um, I think for me, but. You know, I think I hit on all the talking points from the Stanley Cup final. Congratulations again to the Avalanche for Stanley Cup in over 20 years. Um, Denver is going to be rocking this week for the parade. I can't wait to see the photos um, and all that. But in terms of the Pittsburgh Penguins, we'll have a chance to hoist Lord Stanley's Cup for a sixth time next year when the, when the season kicks off in October. Um, we're less than three months away from preseason hockey. And, you know, just keep it right here on Locked on Penguins. It's going to be a very busy couple of weeks here. I'm just letting you all know. Draft next week, free agency the week after. There's going to be a lot of news when it comes to this team. And, you know, I will be the first to tell you all about it on Locked on Penguins. You know, we're, we're continuing through the offseason. Again, I really appreciate 
all of you listening. I'll be back with another episode on Tuesday.